Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Because they think I'm driving just through construction zones, like, for fun. But thank you for coming on here and letting everybody know that you do run over nails. This is the Press Box. I bought the I bought the package at the tire store that I go to. With Grainy and Bischoff. Where I can go back and get them fixed for free all the time <laughs> if you pay me the extra money. That's how many times I get a nail in my tire. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Ted, Tyler, and Jared on a Tuesday. Everyone's in studio today, which means your car has been fixed. <laughs> No, it, did, no, it, doesn't it appear, hasn't been fixed. It doesn't appear that way. <laughs> Supposedly, it's been fixed. I well, actually got it to start yesterday after the show. Oh, okay. But it struggled to actually turn over and start. So I took it to get it looked at. I bought a battery March of 2021. So the battery is like a year and a half old. So I took it to a place where I bought the battery because I have. they gave me like a free lifetime replacement right. on it. And I dropped it off at like whatever, noon yesterday. They said, okay, we'll look at it at 1.00. 3.30 rolls around. Haven't heard from him, so I call him. I have to leave a voicemail with the guy who took my car in because he didn't answer. Don't get any. Don't hear anything back. Call back at 4.30. Talk to somebody else. And they're like, well, your car's ready. And I was like, okay, well, what was wrong? Like, how much does it cost? Shouldn't cost anything if it's just the battery. And like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, you have to talk to your service tech to do that. And I was like, I know. I've been trying to get a hold of him. Never called me back yesterday. So, so the car's still in the shop? Yeah, I didn't go pick it up because it was 4.30 and I wasn't driving to go get it through traffic when I was going to celebrate Halloween since there was no baseball game. So I'm going to go get it after the show today. Hopefully I'm going to go get it after the show today. But they just never called me back yesterday. So you celebrated Halloween? I did. There was no baseball game. So went over to the fiance's parents' house instead of staying at home and yelling at a TV by myself. Hand, hand out candy? Okay, their neighborhood does the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Everybody in their neighborhood has tables set up in their driveway mm-hmm. with bowls of candy. Yeah. And then people sit at the table. Yeah. You're yeah. acting like this is normal. I've we never had seen that this last before night. in my life. No, we had that last night. That's what your neighborhood does? Not a lot of tables. There were a couple, but usually you just stay at the house and hand out candy. But um, we went down to the tables. I've never seen that. I've. It's always been you walk up, you ring the doorbell. You open the door, here's some candy. So you're in saying your the bag. neighborhood had a lot of tables. Oh, every like every single house in the neighborhood. Nobody wants kids walking up to their own doors. I guess. But but I could understand it if it was like, hey, we're just gonna be inside and here's the candy. But people sit at the tables and hand the candy out. And I'm like, what are you people doing? Did you sit at the table? Absolutely not. <laughs> what did you do? I was inside. <laughs> the entire time? Yes. I don't need to see kids in their stupid costumes. Oh, man. What am I, I going to do with that? Yeah. So that was weird. I've never seen a whole neighborhood of just, hey, we're going to sit outside at our table and chairs. And Did your fiance sit outside? No. No. Did the parents? Uh, no. They just set up candy out there and let kids come take it and then monitored it on their phone with their cameras. And some so some te- kid just didn't dump the entire thing. Somebody dumped it the- on the ground. They didn't actually well, take that's it just all. Not, they that's just, just not smart. They just, that's like, crime. Nice. they just dumped the bowl on the ground. On purpose? Yeah. That's just bad crime. <laughs> Are you serious? They didn't even take it all. They just dumped the bowl of candy on the ground. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> where, do you, where do they live? My goodness. Uh, apparently, <laughs> in a kind of place where they don't want you going up to the door. Yeah. <laughs> the first bite. 
probably should have hit a press box transition before that. <laughs> should Josh McDaniels be worried about his job security? I don't think he should yeah, be. No. I don't think he should be. I think uh, we got the uh, quote to Vinny Bonsignor yesterday. I don't think he. I don't think Mark Davis is as strong with that quote if he's about ready to make a change. So I don't think he should be. Vinny Bonsignor tweeted out a quote from Mark Davis. Josh McDaniels is our head coach and will be for years to come. Um, the part that I found interesting about that is that feels like Mark Davis is putting out a fire he started. Not because he hired McDaniels. Obviously, he hired McDaniels. But because why, why has Mark Davis had two long meetings with Josh McDaniels immediately after losses? Tennessee and Tennessee and, and now New Orleans. after New Orleans. Like, what, what are those meetings? Because that, to me, is the key in this entire conversation. If he's the owner of the team, why does he feel the need to, right after the game, before the head coach addresses the media, to talk to his head coach for long enough time for the media to tweet out, hey, this has been going on for They're a while. They're in the room. Right. If Mark Davis just walked in and walked out within two minutes... Everyone yeah. would be like, ah, whatever. That's fairly normal. Well, a lot of owners do that. But and in fact, most owners do but that. But I'm guessing he's in there for 10-plus minutes after a game before the coach talks to the media. And I, to me, that's where this entire conversation stems from. right? Obviously, they're 2-5, and five, not very good. But the fact that they've had two losses already this year where the owner has decided, I need to go talk to my head coach for 10-plus minutes or whatever that length of time is, that feels like where this would stem from. And then Mark Davis is like, oh. I got to put out this so fire. So now he has to be asked about it, right? Because why am I in the coach's office or for wherever it minutes. is for ten minutes? So it feels very much like to me, Mark Davis is putting out a fire he started. But I am still really curious. What is Mark Davis talking to Josh McDaniels about? Because well, I, I told you, I told you, I couldn't win with him, Mark. <laughs> you said I got to roll with this guy. I'm rolling with him because if you're, if I you're wanted the, to keep the running back. If you're the owner of the team, you can talk to the head coach whenever you want. About anything you, you want. You don't have to do it when the media is waiting. When you basically know the media is going to see you have a lengthy conversation with Josh McDaniels, right? You can do it on the plane back home. Or I guess they didn't fly home. They're just staying on the east coast. But you can do it on the plane back home. You can do it on the plane to Jacksonville, whatever. Whatever conversation you want to have, you don't have to do it immediately after the game where the media sees. Mm-hmm. So that's the part I, I'm, I'm curious what the point of those meetings are. Is that just simply Mark Davis is like, well, that wasn't good enough. I'm going to talk to my employee and find out what the hell happened. Or is that, or is there something actually to it where Mark Davis is like, that's not good enough. And I don't care that we just hired you. You might be in danger here. Or hidden third option. He was like, okay, so what are the logistics? You're staying here? Or, oh, no, okay, you're going to Florida. Okay, well, the corporate card is only approved for a La Quinta. Well, I don't care. That's who we have a deal with. I think it would be more what the heck happened. Like, what happened here? Like, how, how could we look so bad? Tell, so, tell, let, you know, convince me that 24 0 and we looked that bad wasn't as bad as it appeared. So if that's the reasoning, that means twice in seven games, Mark Davis has gone down and basically asked for an immediate explanation from his head coach as to why they lost the game, which is not a good sign for somebody's job security. If you're seven games in and twice you've already had your boss come down and say, what's going on here? Not that Mark Davis is going to fire him right now, but that's going to happen again, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're not 
winning the rest of their games. No. They're not going, how many games do they have left? Eight in the season? No, nine in the season. They're not going seven and two the rest of the way either. Like, they're probably going to go four and five the rest of the way. There's going to be five more chances for Mark Davis to be like, what What happened here? So, like, if this happens again, where it's like, oh, Josh McDaniels hasn't come to his press conference because the owner walked into his office. To me, that just doesn't scream, this guy's got good job security. Like, that doesn't scream to me, Mark Davis trusts Josh McDaniels. That screams the exact opposite, that Josh McDaniels doesn't have his trust and that Mark Davis, if you want an explanation from your head coach immediately after, that means you don't trust what happened before. What if he's in there happened. supporting him? That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Like, hey, you lost 24 well, to nothing, I mean, you know, you look so back. bad, but I believe in you and we'll get this turned around and, you know, that's why I hired you. And, you know, when Vinny Bunsenior asked me, I'm going to say <laughs> uh, Josh McDaniels is our head coach and will be for years to come. So... The other part of this, let's let's assume Josh McDaniels is back next year, right? I don't think he's going to get fired because I also I don't believe they're going to finish the year like four and thirteen, right? Right. right. Like if, if they finish four and thirteen, he might get fired. But I, I believe they're going to win six or seven games this year, right? And you know, if he's six and eleven, seven and ten, he's probably not getting fired after that. So let's assume whatever they win six or seven games, don't make the playoffs. He's still the head coach next year. Is next year going to be any better? It's a loaded question. Who's the quarterback? I assume it's Derek Carr. If it's not Derek Carr, it's probably not going to be any better. Right, because you're most likely downgrade. Trying to get a rookie. Yeah. Technically, they could try to get somebody like Lamar Jackson, but he'll probably just be franchise tagged if Baltimore doesn't sign him to a new contract. So he's probably not actually going to be available. No. So there's a few guys that are potentially available they could upgrade, but it's going to be pretty difficult there. The Raiders went top heavy. And while, you know, the Adams contract, the car contract, a lot of these contracts they can technically get out of, most likely those guys are back next year. Maybe not all of them, but Adams and Carr and Renfro are probably all back. Colton Miller, Max Crosby are probably back. Chandler Jones is probably back just because he's the only guy that actually has two pretty much fully guaranteed years. Yeah. They 16, could, I think it's $16 million yeah, next year. They could eat it and get rid of them, but that would probably be stupid. Right. So the top end of the roster probably going to be the same and the issue for the Raiders right now is if you look ahead to the 2023 season if you just look at dead cap space or dead uh, dead money that's going to eat into the cap space the Raiders already have 23 million dollars in dead money for next season that means that's 23 million dollars they don't get to spend against right. the salary cap that's right. the third most in the league going into next year and the problem for the Raiders they have the fewest players under contract for next season with 30 they are going to have to add, what is that, 21 players in the offseason when they already have 20-plus million in dead cap space. It's going to be fairly difficult for the Raiders to upgrade this roster. And so when you look to 2023, if this team is a six-win team this year, it's hard to go into the following year and be like, ah, well, now they're going to be a 10-win team because it's going to be the same roster with minimal improvements in the offseason, unless they really do blow things up or pull off something spectacular. Well, do you think they can improve, though, in those top-end st- top positions? Like, can Derek Carr play better? Yeah, can Derek Carr play better? Maybe, can, maybe that's the answer. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, I, I don't know if he can play better. It, it'll be his 10th year. <laughs> think about that. It'll be his 10th year. In the, it'll He's be just going to be the Raiders quarterback forever. He'll be his t- it'll be his 10th year as a starter next year. Yeah. So... 
the idea of McDaniels, the idea of his job security, again, if they finish, if they end the year with like three wins, I think he's fired. I think Mark Davis is firing him if they're a three-win team. But I do not believe this is a three-win team. I do very much believe it's a six or seven-win team at this point. So if they're a six or seven-win team, I assume he's back. The question becomes, what is 2023 for this team? And I don't know that it's going to be much better than what we've seen so far this year, which is a team that can compete with good teams, but also a team that can go and get shut out by the New Orleans Saints somehow, Mm -hmm. who again aren't a good defense and offensively didn't have two of their three best receivers. Right. It was Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill. And the Raiders were like, we've never seen those guys before. Who are they? Were we supposed to prepare for those two? Never heard of them. So I'd say I'm, I'm I'd say I'm not very optimistic about the rest of this season or next season or next Raiders, season, which to go back to the question about McDaniel's job security. If Mark Davis ever comes to that conclusion, McDaniel's might be in danger. Even if he does get to six or seven wins this year, because if you're the owner I just of a don't team. think he's firing him this year. I don't think he is. I either. don't think he's firing him. I'd be surprised if he did again, unless they finish with three wins on the year. Then, if they finish with three wins, you think he's fired, right? I don't. You think he's coming back? Even I with think three he's wins? coming back regardless. Wow. All right. I do. I think he's coming back regardless. I don't think they'd go from Gruden to Basachi to McDaniel's and have another coach. Fan base would be furious if they didn't. If they if they win if they win one more game this year. Well, they're furious at him now. Right. If they go one and eight to close the year. And McDaniels is back. Oh, Raiders fans are going to be. Yeah, they're mad now on Twitter. Right. They're two and five right now. If this right. is if this is a three and 14 team, because here's the thing. If they go three and 14, there's going to be more games like that game against the Saints. They might not get shut out, but there's going to be more games where you go into it and you're like, oh, Jacksonville, we can beat Jacksonville. Oh, we lost by 32 like that. If you go, if you're a three win team, that's going to happen a lot. The, man, the, I can't. I can't imagine it. The rest of the season, how many, how many three hundred yard games versus one hundred yard games does Derek Carr go for? Because I, when your quarterback throws for a gentleman's hundred and one, he'll he'll throw for over three hundred more than he throws for oh for less 100? than two hundred. Yeah. Okay, because they're going to yeah. be losing and they're not going to oh. look that bad. They're not going to look that bad. Like Again. that's that's as bad as it gets. Yeah. There's going to be it's everything's going to be better than that. And if it's not, Jesus, the show on Monday after that game is going to be fun. Bad? Yeah, it's going to be. I fun. don't know. We might open the phone lines. Describe <laughs> describe the Raiders in one word. You could say on the radio. What would we need to go to break? What would even be worse than twenty four nothing to the Saints? Twenty five nothing. Twenty five nothing to the Jags. Yeah, depending on how they look. Yeah. Like, I mean, can they look as bad as they oh, did the other day? Like it's the, almost impossible. They're, like, they're, the Saints aren't very good. No, they they were given like 28 points a game. I guess if Russell Wilson puts up 42 on them and you look around, like, they haven't scored 42 the entire season, maybe, but. But they wouldn't get shut out. Would it be worse so. that if Stidham started to lead a comeback and they, like, fall short? If Stidham had scored two touchdowns in like 90 seconds on Sunday, and it's 24-14, you're looking at it, whoa, what do we do here? All right, coming up next, we're going to some Golden Knights. Yeah, it's been a while since I had a game winner in OT, so uh, it's always a nice feeling. And uh, yeah, Stoney's such an enthusiastic guy, and he he brings so much to our group. Um, you know, it's uh, I think it's unmeasurable, so 
you think he rubs off on the whole team, myself included. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Golden Knights are back in action tonight. They're on the road taking on the Washington Capitals. That game starts at 4 o'clock our time. You can hear it over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, but we are going to get to do something fun and try to predict what the front office is going to do, which is um, nearly impossible with this team, given their moves in the past. So Laurent Brossois is going to the Henderson Silver Knights for a conditioning loan. Uh, that is not that does not mean he's actually in the AHL. That is a uh, basically a rule the NHL allows for players coming back from injury. They can go play for their NHL team's AHL team for six days or three games, right? So basically you got a week to go down and get back into shape and then you're back on the NHL roster. What that means is the Golden Knights in basically a week, less than a week, are going to have to make a decision on their goaltenders. And so they're going to effectively have multiple options here. They could carry three goalies, right? They could bring Laurent Brossois back and have Brossois, Aiden Hill, and Logan Thompson. They could send Logan Thompson down to the AHL because he does not have to clear waivers. So they can send Logan Thompson down to Henderson and no other NHL team gets a shot at Logan Thompson. Or... They can place Aiden Hill on waivers to go to Henderson. And if he clears, great, he's in Henderson. If he doesn't, some other team claims him and you lost Aiden Hill for nothing. Or do that with Laurent Brossois. Same situation. He's got to clear waivers. And if he doesn't, you lost him for nothing. Or try to trade one. What do you think the Golden Knights do with their goalie situation? I think to start, they carry three goalies. And when you, when you say start. to start, how long is that? Well, that's the better question. Yeah. Because we, we had Bruce Cassidy on, what, two weeks ago. And I asked him the idea of carrying three goalies. And his answer was kind of like, well, we might do that, but it's really not a good idea. He basically shot down that being a long-term idea. Long-term. But he was certainly open to it being short-term. a short-term idea. I would guess no more than two weeks, right? I mean, don't you have to see how Laurent Bressois is playing and what he did with the injury? Because I think if he puts him on, I don't think, I think he clears waivers because of his salary. And the guy's coming off, uh, you know, he's not coming off like a bruised bruised shoulder. Right. I mean, he's coming off a serious hip surgery. So that to me is the fascinating part of this. The Golden Knights deciding to put Laurent Brossois on this conditioning loan in Henderson gives every other team in the NHL a chance to see how he looks. How he looks, yeah. Coming back from injury. Gives the Golden Knights a chance to see it too, which is important. But in my mind, I'm with you that Laurent Brossois going through waivers, there's a good chance he clears waivers mm -hmm. because he's coming back off of injury. However, I think there's a better chance if they had simply activated him and put him on waivers right now that he would clear I think there's a worse chance he clears if he plays three games. Well, if he goes down the HL and has three shutouts. Right. If I he mean, then... if he just looks healthy, then other NHL teams will be like, oh, he's probably fine, and we can make a claim on Laurent Brossois if the Golden Knights put him on waivers. So I feel like putting Laurent Brossois in this conditioning loan makes it harder to clear him through waivers and if makes he it, plays well. And makes it less likely that that's the actual answer. 
for the Golden Knights. I mean, if he stinks, right? Then, if he sucks, then he sucks. Then he and, stinks, and nobody's going to claim him right. anyway. And you, you're not worried about this because no, because you send he's him not down any and good. And exactly. You're not, yeah, you don't want a bad goalie there. I believe it's still Laurent, or excuse me, Laurent Brossois that's going to get put through waivers. I think at the end of the day, even if they carry three goalies for two weeks, I think that's the ultimate answer here. Simply because Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill have both been good. Very good. Right. And I think that the answer for the Golden Knights is to the guy coming back from injury. He's the one that goes through on waivers and you hope he clears. And then you've got some goaltending depth. If Hill or Thompson gets hurt or whatever, or one of them starts to struggle and you can call up the romp that I think is the most likely answer. I am curious to see if they can pull off a trade though. For Laurent Bessois or for any of them? Does anybody want Aiden Hill right now? I mean, he's played pretty well. I don't know how much they want him. So uh, Aiden they, Hill. I bet people want Logan Thompson. Aiden Hill right now this season has a 940 save percentage, right. which is absurd. His goal saved above average is plus four this year. For his career before this season, his entire career, his goal saved above average was minus three. He has taken a career, barely, but minus goal saved above average and made it positive, and he's played, like, what, four games or something like that? He played four of the first ten. Yeah. Like, he is incredible. He's been incredible so far. And I wonder if there is any team, if the Golden Knights would be able to basically sell high on Aiden Hill, right? Like, hey, look at what he's done through four games. This guy could be your backup goalie or a team that's really desperate. This could be your starting goalie, right? He can come in and play for you, you know, 30, 40% of the games this year. I wonder if that's a possibility. And because to me, if I'm the Golden Knights, the best case scenario is I trade one of these guys and get an and asset get something in back. Right. If yeah, I can sure. trade it, I mean, you're probably not going to get anything great, but if I can trade Aiden Hill for, I don't know, a fourth round pick, I probably do that. Right. I probably say, okay, we'll, we'll move him, take the asset. And then we've got our two goalies in Thompson and Laurent Brossois going forward. Right. That's what I think is sort of the, Best case scenario for the organization is to move one for a draft pick or something. Uh, but I do not know if teams would actually offer something, right? Like it, if somebody offers a seventh round pick for Aiden Hill, you're not taking that, right? You're just going to take the risk that Laurent Brossois can pass through waivers because right. who cares about a seventh round pick? So I'm curious to see what they do. And when I said at the start, we're going to predict what the front office does after everything we talked about, they'll do the unthinkable and send Logan Thompson down. See, I don't think they would do that. I don't think they will either. I don't think they would do that. But I think he's their number one goalie. They've also done a lot of things in the past that I didn't think they were going to do either. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I just think he's their number one goalie in everyone's mind now. I do too. Bru- Bru- the way Bruce Cassidy has talked about it, Logan Thompson's the guy. Logan yes. Thompson's the goalie. And Bruce Cassidy wanted him to be the goalie before the season started. And he's exceeded all expectations yes, so been far. Terrific. It would be pretty brutal to send him down. But... That is the path of least resistance for the front office. They don't, he can go straight to the AHL, doesn't have to clear waivers. They don't have to lose a goalie for nothing. That's the path of least resistance. So I wouldn't rule it out entirely. I and think Laurent it would be. Laurent becomes your number one? Aiden Hill at this point is probably your number one until Laurent Brossois is actually plays in a game as any, and is any good, right? But I doubt it happens, but I wouldn't. I, to me, I, I don't think we can truly rule it out simply because of what this organization has yeah. done in the past. They've just done so many things that you're like, they did what now? No, I don't think they would. <laughs> Does Bruce no, Cassidy he's got two two shutouts in four games? Does Cassidy quit on the spot if they send Logan Thompson <laughs> down? <laughs> well, he did say the other day. I was in the uh, 
media room when he was talking, he said, you know, the roster's McCrimmons. You know, I think he, look, he's got to he's gotta have a he's got to have a say in things, or at least they ask him about it. But I think McCrimmon has the final say in all roster decisions. Scary thing to say. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're on one. I lost count. Dishwasher watch. David Roth from Defector is with us on the press box. Subscribe to the distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code distract for a free month of Stitcher premium. Uh, David, Jared just told me that he needs to get new imaging for you, but I don't think that's accurate because your dishwasher still doesn't work, right? But we're so close. Like, oh. I would encourage Jared to get to work. I had an electrician in the apartment yesterday, Uh-oh. a real Uh-oh. person. Yeah. And uh, let's just say that the price is going to be much higher than I thought it was going to be because <laughs> we're doing extra stuff. But uh, it's definitely looking like um, it could happen. Like, the, the building could always mess this up. Uh, but right now there's enough people that are either not in their jobs, on vacation, or sick that I feel like I could maybe sneak this by without anyone oh. noticing. So, uh, but it's it's exciting. This is an exciting time. I might not have to hand wash all of my dishes for the next, I don't know, 11 months, however long it's been since this story started. Is this a next time we talk to you, the dishwasher's good to go by Thanksgiving? Could be. Okay. Wow. So they're, they're like, geared up. Like, I, I've never had somebody that I was looking to hire for a job because he was telling me, you know, will you come back? This is how long it'll take. This is how much it'll cost and everything except for how much it'll cost. I was like, wow, wow, great. And then uh, I was like, yeah, I'm so used to people delaying. He's like, yeah, we don't play. And I was like, that's right, man. You <laughs> no, don't. there you go. So if, <laughs> if there's like an element of uh, playing for pride in it or, you know, sticking it to the haters or whatever it is that makes an electrician say we don't play to somebody, <laughs> uh, then <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to roll with that. So, yeah, maybe next time we talk, that would be my hope. I'd love to – I mean, if they can really – if they're serious about not playing and they want to come in and do it this week, that would be awesome to me. But um, then we'd have to figure out something else to talk about. There's some other house repairs that I can walk you all through. I don't know. At I'm, some point, and we can. I'm excited for you. Yeah. This, is, this is gonna be yeah, great. Uh, I... Yeah, we're gonna get a lighting fixture replaced. A whole bunch of stuff. That's why it's gonna cost so much. But uh, yeah, I just I want to get it all done at once because Lord knows it may never happen again. So I missed the show last week on Tuesday, and I was told you had a fun reaction to me getting a vasectomy. I was just happy for you, dude. Uh, I was mostly happy to know about it. Uh, you know, obviously it's one of those things where you never know what your buddies are going through uh, unless they tell you, hey, I'm going to get some, it's a very minor bit of ball surgery. And then you're just like, well, good luck. <laughs> but uh, can I ask, and I, this is a weird question to ask somebody, but how did it go? You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. I, I have a bruise on my hand from the IV that's actually been worse than anything else. That's great. Yeah. yeah, I know it's a very minor uh, procedure, and, no, they you know, a responsible one. They put me under. Oh, I've always so this is a dumb thing to say, but I'll, I've already said a bunch of dumb things. Uh, I've always been curious about that. Was it cool? Everyone that has had it happen is like, no, it sucks. You wake up and you're super thirsty, and you have no idea where you are. Oh, extremely thirsty. But no, I I knew where I was as soon as I woke up. That wasn't an issue. But I was very thirsty. But no, that was fine. Woke up and. Just was really tired, and then I was fine. Good to go. No problems. Yeah. Then you were home, you know, within, like, they just basically had you hang out there, and then as soon as you, like, sort of stopped being mad, you could leave? Yeah, as soon as I could stand and dress myself, I could leave. It was basically wow, the end of the day. Yeah. Pretty great. 
Yeah, I don't think you missed much else on the show. Uh, I don't remember what else it was I talked about. That was mostly the big. But I was, you know, again, uh, good for you and good for for you uh, making sure that everybody knows exactly what was going on. Well, yeah. we started we started off with "Hello, Bischoff had a vasectomy," so there was uh, there, there, there wasn't much. There wasn't yeah, much I kept else getting wrong footed throughout the uh, episode, which was fun for me. Like there was a point where Lizzie definitely asked you like a Taylor Swift yes, question, and yes. I I had no notes for that. That was one. a press I was box not, transition. Not prepared. <laughs> All right, I I am going to transition here for you to Kyrie Irving. Um, yeah, there we go. Is it is it a fair thing to say that the Nets should like get rid of him? Like, is that an overreaction to what's happened with Kyrie Irving that the Nets should be considering getting rid of him? I don't think it's an overreaction. I don't think they're going to do it. I haven't really been uh, very impressed by. Well, I mean, I haven't been impressed by their response. I also have the sense that this is somehow uh, still happening a little bit too fast for them. And I'd have to think that one of the things that you know as an organization when you bring Kyrie Irving in is that there's a chance that at some point, at like when you're all asleep, it's 2.57 a.m., he's going to put something on Instagram that makes your job impossible to do. <laughs> that is just his personality, and he does it everywhere he goes. In this case, I think it's worse. It, you know, the issue with him is that you're not going to get him to, you know, reconsider, right? Like a lot of the stuff, there's sort of there's a whole – at this point, there's been enough anti-Semitic stuff done by athletes, usually in stupid or sort of thoughtless ways, where there's a whole sad PR process, you know, where you make Deshaun Jackson go to the Jewish Museum or something like that, and then he's like, wow, I learned a lot. And that, you know, that doesn't really satisfy anybody, but it ticks a box. Kyrie Irving is never going to think more deeply about any of this than he is right now. He's never going to be sorry. He's never going to, like, think that he did wrong or was stupid to share a link to a movie that I am now certain he did not watch. Uh, my colleague Drew McGarry is watching it right now for a story for SF Gate. The movie is three and a half hours long. Like, it's <laughs> so not only is it incoherent with a bunch of made-up fake Hitler quotes in it, it's longer than Godfather 2, which is great. You can just watch Godfather 2. <laughs> So, so to me, like cutting Kyrie is the sort of thing where I have a very difficult time imagining them doing it. I also have a very difficult time imagining it resolving in a way that would be more satisfying than that. So, like, if you do it quick, you know, and then it's over and you don't have to think about it like anymore, then I guess that's great. I don't know. They're they're screwed up in a way that uh, Ray. Ratto wrote a story about this for Defector. Like, I honestly think they're worse off than the Lakers in a lot of ways. Like, they've got talent. The roster makes a lot more sense than the Lakers does. It's just not cooking right. Like, they haven't figured out how to use Ben Simmons. I don't think that Steve Nash is the guy that's going to figure out how to do it. Uh, Kyrie is a time bomb. And poor Kevin Durant. I mean, at this point, we've established that he's basically too valuable to trade. But at some point, like, just don't keep running this back. Like, it sucks. It makes everybody feel bad, and the team isn't good. So blowing it up would honestly be probably... Like, if you're Joe Sy, who owns the team, like, the only reason to own a basketball team is because it's fun. I mean, you'll make some money at it, but you're not going to make money like you could make money to another thing. Like, this can't be fun. So if I were him, I would be looking to unwind this just for the most selfish, basic, personal reasons, which is that I'm sick of watching these guys play on TV every night and know that I'm paying them $30 million. 
Uh, Tyler made the point yesterday. I thought it was a good one in terms of he thinks Kyrie, when he walks in the room, he's the smartest person in the room, and he's not the smartest person in the room. When you hear that six-minute kind of diatribe from him, is that what you get, that he wants everyone to believe how intelligent he is? Yeah, I do. But I also think that he's bluffing in a way that I think this is, like, the most fundamental thing with Kyrie. Because he's, like, he's, like, I can't figure out if he's the smart kind of dumb or the dumb kind of smart, but it's some sort of element in there where, like, it's not the sort of thing where his brain is like, you know, in the Simpsons or sometimes like Homer would be thinking and they would show his thought process and it would just be like a donkey sleeping under a tree. <laughs> like that is not, <laughs> that's not Kyrie. Like, I don't think that he's like lacking for candle power. He's lacking for focus and he's extremely smug. And I think with stuff like this, there's an element of, he wants, what he wants is to be sort of deferred to and respected, which is great. That's what everybody wants. He just doesn't, Especially with stuff like this, especially with this weird, you know, the the movie itself is part of this, like, really sort of cheesy thought tradition, like, hotep, black Israelite stuff. A lot of, like, basically the gist of it is that, you know, the people that we think are Jews are imposters, like, the, like, black people are the real Jews, whatever. That stuff is, like, there are texts, you know, of it out there. But for the most part, there isn't, like, a tradition here. It's not the sort of thing where you're like, oh, Kyrie can say, you don't understand what I'm saying or whatever. He never gets deeper than, this doesn't matter, you don't understand me, I don't have to explain myself to you. And at some point, either he needs to realize that he does need to explain himself, because people are, you know, his livelihood is at risk, or he realizes he has enough money, and then he can just go look at Instagram posts for the rest of his life. You know, but I don't think that there's any way to get him to work harder on this stuff because he's created this personal cosmology. Like to hear the explanation that he had for how he even found this movie was amazing. Do you remember what it was where he was like, I was at home, I was putting my own name yeah. into yeah. Yeah. Amazon prime. And then he was like, and then I searched for Yahweh on Amazon prime. So like, this is, <laughs> I don't know what level of being high it is that you're at home <laughs> on a streaming service. And you're like, I wonder if they have anything under like the Hebrew name of God. <laughs> like I, that is a level of what, I mean, that is professional grade stuff that you're smoking. Like I have all the stuff that my wife and I, you know, have in the house. It just makes us like episodic TV more. <laughs> it never makes us be like, I want to find a documentary about the universe. Does Kyle Schwarber look like he runs in hummus? <laughs> What's funny with him is that I, yes. Uh, so the short answer to your question is yes. The other thing with Schwarber that I like is that, and he's actually fast. Like, he's, like, kind of fast relative to other people. The for America knows this. He won us a taco. Yes. yes. He's doing something right. <laughs> and yet there is still something about watching him, because he kind of looks like a like a far side character. Like, if you remember the Game Morrison cartoon, like, there's not the shape of a professional athlete's body, but I swear, once it gets going, he's, like, like he's faster than Nick Castellanos, and Nick Castellanos more or less looks like an athlete. <laughs> Has uh, anyone come close to home runs on back-to-back swings like he did when he missed it by like a foot foul and then about a foot short of the wall? Yeah. I, the, what's funny is how much more impressive the foul was because the one that was like really, really close was a ball that like would have been caught not on the warning track in most stadiums. Uh, it's the magic of Houston. But yeah, that was uh, a real emotional roller coaster. I'm enjoying the series so far. I've realized that I don't really care who wins it which is a very rare uh, situation for me. Like, I'm not as mad at the Astros as everybody else, and I'm not as charmed by the Phillies as everyone else, so I'm just kind of enjoying watching the baseball games when they happen. And uh, I know this state of enlightenment can't last, but I'm trying to enjoy it while it's going on. (laughs) 
Well, he is David Roth. Um, that was a fun, serious sandwich where we start with dishwashers and vasectomies and with Kyle Schwarber and hummus. But mix some Kyrie Irving and in the middle. Yeah, very good. So uh, there Thank you go. You guys. He's David Roth from The Defector. David, as always, Thanks, we appreciate David. it. Appreciate y'all. Have a good week. So David Roth um, on a bunch of different stuff. I want to, before we go to break, um, the Colts fired their offensive coordinator this morning. Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, tweeted out, this morning, we relieved Marcus Brady of his duties as offensive coordinator. I wish this good man all the best. Thumbs up emoji. Thumbs up emoji. <laughs> he put a thumbs up emoji that in is, a tweet that, firing a guy. That is some hardcore dad energy. That like where my dad will just literally be like, hey, uh, funeral plans. Right. Here's the hotel. Thumbs up emoji. <laughs> Grandma died. I booked the plane tickets. Thumbs up. Coming up next, we'll jump into some NBA. Holiday crossing over, passes over his shoulder to Portis. He funnels it to the corner. It's an air ball, though, for Matthews, but batted out by Holiday to Lopez, and Lopez sinks the three from the top of the arc. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Did you see Miles Turner? On Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast yesterday. I did not, but I'm reading what he said. So, Miles Turner plays for the Indiana Pacers. Um, during the offseason, there were reported deals being discussed between the Pacers and the Lakers that would have sent Miles Turner, plus Buddy Heald, to the Lakers for Russell Westbrook and picks. The deal never happened because reportedly the Pacers wanted two first-round picks and the Lakers were not willing to send two first-round picks to Indiana. They were willing to send one first-round pick with Westbrook, but not two. So that's been reported, rumored the entire offseason, and it could still happen in season, right? Adrian Wojnarowski asked Miles Turner about that. He asked Miles Turner specifically about, hey, this trade that's been out there, what do you think of it? And Miles Turner, and part of his answer said, if I'm the Lakers, I take a very hard look at this with the position that you're in. I know what I can provide for a team. Well, the Pacers must love this. So, genuine question. Can you remember a time where a player was asked about a potential trade that would send him somewhere else? And the player not only answered it, but the player gave an answer to be like, "You no. better trade for me." No, Lakers. not publicly. You're right. Not publicly that they would that that he would actually answer it. It's right. one thing if Woj asks him about yes. it because it's been out there reported, and Woj is probably the first one to have reported it. Yeah. But to actually answer it and to say to the Lakers, "Go ahead and make this deal. I can right. help you," is a little bizarre. Right. I I was like, I don't know. It's just it's just it was just weird to have Miles Turner basically being like. Yeah, they should trade for me. Yeah, they should absolutely do it. Why haven't you done well, it yet? Come get me. I like also that there's like a level of pragmatism to it where it's like, well, I mean, I know I could help them. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, <laughs> have you seen I, them I, I'm helping the Pacers as it is. <laughs> I, I could easily help them as well. Yeah, you're right. Have you seen the Lakers? Yeah. Have you seen them shoot? Because the thing with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, the reason the trade would make sense for the Lakers, I don't know if it makes sense to give up two first round picks, but the reason you would want to make the trade is Buddy Heald's a very good three-point shooter, and Miles Turner plays center, and he I, he shoots, like, whatever, 36%, 37%. He's not, like, a crazy good shooter, but at the center position, he shoots it well enough that 
he can space the floor. He's a good rebounder, right. good shot blocker, and shoots threes, right? And, he He's a role player, but it's exactly what the Lakers need in Miles Turner. So it that like that's where the whole trade comes from, and that's why if you're Miles Turner, you probably are extremely confident that you can help the Lakers because you're exactly what they need. But it's just so bizarre to have a player being like, yeah, trade for me. Come get me. Do you think they pumped the brakes on it because the Lakers didn't want to give up the first-round pick or they they figured, like we were talking about maybe a week ago, that these two wouldn't make the difference ultimately in a championship anyway? That's the key is the Lakers The Lakers adding Buddy Heald and Miles Turner doesn't make They're not them. winning the title. Right. So it becomes a question of are you just trying to, you know, get the sixth seed in the West right. instead of being in the play-in rounds, right? Is that your goal? If if that's your goal, then trade for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, and you probably have a legitimate shot to get the sixth seed, right? Assuming things actually get better for that team. Uh, but if you're looking at it from a, you know, championship or bust type mentality, they're not going to do that. There's no reason you should make that trade. None whatsoever. Because the other part of this is... The Lakers, because they traded all of their picks, right? The Pelicans have like all right. of their picks. I believe it's 2027 and 2029 are these first round picks. Those are the picks the Lakers are allowed to trade away by NBA rules. So if the Lakers made this deal, I don't think they'd have a first round pick until 2030 or something <laughs> crazy like that. So it's the Rams plan. Yeah, yeah exactly. except they, you know, I guess the Lakers won too, but they'd be giving away more picks after winning it. But it, it just... As an organization, you would be giving a, you would be setting yourself so far back yeah. with first round picks, and you wouldn't really be accomplishing. And you'd have your best player now gone by then, right? Or your oh. two best players yeah. now gone. Anthony by Davis then. will probably be gone too. He's gone too. Yeah. So it's ju- it's just it's hard it's hard to for me to look at the Lakers and think they would actually. It's hard for me to believe any organization would do that, right? Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for two first round picks. The key there is. You're probably trading one first round pick for Heald and Turner, and then you're trading another first round pick to get rid of Westbrook, right? Like yeah, one of those yeah. picks is because, hey, you've got to pay Russell Westbrook $46 million or whatever it is, and he's not going to help you at all. Because the Pacers would actually probably waive Russell Westbrook, is most likely what they'd probably trade for him and then waive him waive and him. take the picks. They'd pay him, well, yeah, take the picks. They'd pay him whatever they have to pay him when you waive a guy, and then he'd probably be a free agent to sign wherever he'd. Be able to Back sign. with the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the key there. The other part here is if I'm, I said this last week, if I'm the Lakers, I'm either just riding this season out as is, right? And, and Russell Westbrook's a free agent. He leaves and then you spend some money on some better free agents in the off season. Or I'm trying to trade LeBron James and maybe Anthony Davis to try to get some picks back. And actually, have already a traded at, away to the Pelicans. Actually, have a chance at building a future. I think those are their only two smart options from here on out. I don't think trading for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner is the answer. Yeah, I don't think that helps them enough. By the way, also fun fact: the Pacers have more wins than the Lakers yes. do right now. <laughs> like the Pacers are trying to tank, and and they still have more wins. They have more wins than the Lakers, so. The idea that the Lakers are going to get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald and be great, not happening.